I'm Leah Bowden, and this is the Modern Miss Mason podcast. Our kids are not responsible for our own emotions. Our kids are not responsible for our happiness as mothers. You know, we are, they've got their own emotions to deal with. They don't need ours piled on top. Um, and so I think for, for me, you know, my passion is really to help mums to educate themselves and to become more aware and more aware of their emotions and how to handle them. And I think if you can get on top of that, then you can homeschool for the foreseeable future. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Miss Mason podcast. I'm so glad you keep coming back. I'm totally blown away by the amount of downloads this podcast has had to date. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I know I ask this every week, but I'd be so grateful if you could click on those five stars on the podcast app. I know not all of them have that option, but just leave a couple of sentences sharing what you're enjoying about the podcast. It just helps to get the word out to other parents and educators. If you want, you could even pause now, go and leave a review and come back for today's conversation. Well, lockdown restrictions are slowly lifting here, so we're now able to socialise outdoors with one other household or with six people in total. So this Easter weekend, we managed as a family uh, a walk and some lovely outdoor eating with both sets of parents on different days. My heart is so full. We're taking the next couple of weeks off our usual learning rhythms to rest, write, and gather outside in groups of six. We've stocked up with firewood for the fire pit. We've kept our winter coats handy as the temperature is playing with us a little bit at the moment, but we're just glad to be seeing other humans, so whatever it takes. Last week, I shared a post on Instagram that hit home with so many of you. I quoted Charlotte Mason saying, there is no need to hurry the child. I then said this, If our children are truly running their own race, they'll never be behind. Paying attention, becoming observant, finding delight, digging for knowledge and allowing assimilation to take place all takes time. If children have anything, it's time. Let's not load their agendas, which gives beauty the brush off and wonder sadly waves from the sidelines. Slow and steady wins the race. I hope we're all able to breathe deeply and take things a little slower in general over this luscious season of spring. Well, today's guest understands this greatly. For herself, her family and the mothers she encourages through her platform every day. Gemma Samaru is a wife, homeschool mum to four, award-winning blogger, inspirer, encourager, podcaster, and top-notch homeschool content creator. Her platform, Our Muslim Homeschool, delivers wisdom and experience on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, as well as through her Launch Your Homeschool course. 
Our conversation today covers homeschool beginnings, organisation, emotional health advice, as well as a general get to know Gemma. I know you're going to love it. Gemma, it's such an honour to have you on the podcast. I feel like we probably postponed this a few times, mostly due to me having COVID, but <laughs> it's so great to finally have you here. So thank you for taking time out to do this. Oh, I'm so excited to be able to talk with you today. Uh, like you said, like we've been planning this for a while, and so it's great to finally get to chat with you today. It is, and we're on the same time zone. I think between Coventry <laughs> and Liverpool, there isn't a time difference, so that's good. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how many people uh, may know you or may not know you who listen to the podcast, but why don't you just for a minute introduce yourself, your family, and maybe due to the fact that we are still in lockdown, maybe tell us what your days look like at the moment. Yeah, um, so my name is Gemma. Um, we are living up in Liverpool, like you said. So I've got a family of six, four kids. The eldest is 10. My eldest son is 10. Then I've got an eight-year-old son. My daughter is six. And then we've just had a little baby. Actually, not just. I mean, he's one now, um, but he keeps us very busy. And um, we have actually been homeschooling from the very beginning. Um, so the kids have not ever been in school. Um, and so, you know, for those of you who who are starting homeschooling now during lockdown and um, if it helps, I can definitely go through how how our days sort of pan out. We usually get all of our homeschooling done in the morning. That just works better for us because all the kids are early risers, unfortunately. So we have to do um, all of our schoolwork first thing, really. So sometimes what that means is we'll actually do it in our pajamas because the baby's still asleep. So some we'll have breakfast and then we'll pull out usually the read alouds. So we do something called a morning basket, morning time, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. But basically, it just means we all get together uh, and we read aloud from the same books to the kids. And we do that sometimes in our pajamas, like I said, um, before breakfast or just after. Um, and then after that, the kids go and do their individual work, um, which will be things like maths, um, they're the things that they're memorizing and their individual reading. So things that are like skill-based subjects, they'll do those individually. And we'll usually wrap up our day by, by lunchtime. Um, and then the kids have the afternoon off. Um, it was really important for me to give those kids, to give my kids a lot of free time because um, I think for me, one of the things that really drew me to homeschooling was that I didn't want to rush their childhood. I didn't want to take that away from them. Um, and so I do intentionally give them a lot of free time. Um, so they get afternoons off and then in the evenings, they do sometimes have classes online and uh, which are sort of religious classes um, or they have tutors to help them with Arabic language. So that's basically how our days look. Um, but obviously, you know, with the little ones, sometimes yes. it doesn't quite go according to plan. <laughs> no, and it is, isn't it? It's interesting how, so your oldest is the age of my youngest. So we're kind of, uh, I remember those years well, but I do remember having babies and toddlers and, and really just having to be flexible and readjust our timings and just, you know, when there's somebody asleep, let's get on with something else. And you yeah. really do. Um, and I think those, that is amazing that you've got, well, I don't know if it's amazing. I was about to say early rises because I did, I even put a post up 
this morning that people have been commenting on that I have to wake my children up every day. I mean, they just so <laughs> they are just. I am the only morning person in this house. house. Oh, I'm so jealous, Leah. <laughs> Well, it may change, Gemma. Who knows? You could end up having, um, when they hit preteens, you never know. They start to sleep. They're growing so much. It's yeah, that's true. So your, I mean, your days do feel quite um, similar to ours. Now, tell me about the evening classes that the children do. Are they with children that are in school as well? Yes, they are. Okay. And they, they have, so they have their religious classes or their Arabic language classes in the evenings and they're at the moment they're on zoom um, but usually they're in person and you know that's just taken such a weight off my shoulders just to outsource just a couple of subjects um, and know that there's going to be some consistency in them even when we've got a baby also in the last uh, 18 months or so we've moved house three times and so just knowing that there's a little bit of you know, a bit of a, uh, that weight off my shoulders has been really helpful. And the kids love it. And like you said, they're with other kids as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Homeschooled and uh, kids who go to school as well. And so it's, they, it's a lot of benefits. And lots of benefits. And those classes, are they normally in person? So they the yeah. children who go somewhere. Yeah. So that is a quite a different experience, isn't it? But I guess the whole world has done that this year where you've taken everything um, online. And the Arabic language, is that spoken and written? Yes, I mean, it's prim primarily they focus on spoken Arabic. Um, and then as the kids get older, it works more and more. There's more more writing with it. But um, yeah, so the kids speak excellent Arabic now, especially compared to me. And they're always oh, crushing jokes in Arabic. <laughs> really? Uh, and I don't know what they're saying or what they're laughing about. Um, I mean, my husband just look at each other blankly, like no idea. <laughs> that's amazing. I was just going to say, are you and your husband fluent in Arabic? No, not at no. all. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty amazing so you've told us a little bit obviously how your your days look at the moment and you have homeschool you've always home, home educated your children uh, and you and I know this is still it still feels like it's in the UK we are gaining our identity and momentum and it's changed so much hasn't it over mm -hmm. the last decade um tell us a little bit about the beginnings of what what made you decide to home educate and I also obviously another reason why I've got you on here is because uh, you you are heavily inspired by the Charlotte Mason philosophy so maybe tie into that uh, where you met her along the way. Yeah absolutely um, so homeschooling began really it wasn't something that I ever imagined that we would do um, I, I always say that it was my son that kind of forced us into it because when he was four and he was meant to start school, it became very clear that it was gonna be very, very difficult for him to go to school. He was really attached to the home and being home. And, you know, we even had to pull him out of nursery because he just wasn't adjusting. And so in our minds, we thought, okay, we'll just, we'll just delay it for one year. He can go to school when he's five. It won't cause him any long-term problems or anything like that. We'll just try it for a year and then he'll go to school. And obviously that didn't happen. During that year, it completely transformed our lives. You know, I started to research more and more. We started to try, you know, homeschooling, you know, ourselves, tried educating our children ourselves. And we absolutely fell in love with it. And, you know, we haven't looked back since, you know. Um, and so now all the children are homeschooled. Um, and we began with the well-trained mind. The only reason that we started there, I think, was because I had a friend who 
was also homeschooling um, and she used that curriculum. So you know, that's obviously naturally where I would begin. And, and it is a great curriculum, you know, it's, it's the book list in that, in that book are fantastic, but there was something missing when we did it. it it felt a bit dry that there was a joy that was missing something was lacking basically and um so we stopped doing that and i started looking online and trying to find another option and in my search for answers i you know scoured google and pinterest and all the places we go and i found nature study yes. and instantly that grabbed me because you know i love to be outdoors i'm very outdoorsy um and you know, I love to be out in the countryside, and that's something that my mom really instilled in me. Uh, and so I, I just gravitated towards that. I thought that looks good, you know, that seems like what we're missing. So we just dived into that for a little bit. And obviously, once you start looking into nature study, I came across Charlotte Mason blogs, yeah. um, Charlotte Mason curricula, book lists, and all of those things online. And then I remember Leah, and I'm sure you'd have no recollection of this at all, but <laughs> many years ago, I sent you a message on Instagram or I left a little thing under one of your posts and said, if somebody was gonna start out with the Charlotte Mason philosophy, what book should they read? And you said to me, for the children's sake. Ah. And so I bought that book and I devoured it. And I thought, this is it. This is where we need to go. Yeah. Um, so I have you to thank for that. And I, think, and I think so many people who start the Charlotte Mason um, philosophy and start implementing that in their home, they started with that book. I hear that again and again and yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I have you to thank for that. And, and then oh. we, we just moved on from there, really learning more and more and trying to implement what we can as we go along. It's so, so familiar, even just like, like you were saying, for the children's sake is when I was recently interviewing people like Karen Glass, Cindy Rawlins, um, I think there are a few others, even Julie Bogart, they mm. all said, when I asked the question, how did you meet Charlotte Mason? They all said, for the children's sake. Wow. And I feel like, and, and I was, I found blogs, but I was pretty similar. It was one of the first books I read along with um, Karen Andreola's stuff. But I feel like it's shifting a little bit now, but lots of people, the, one of the most familiar things is that are the most common kind of conversations is nature study, that people suddenly discover this emphasis on the freedom of a child of being outside especially what charlotte mason talks about in those early years of just they need to do most of their lessons outside <laughs> and yeah. that is so liberating isn't it for, mm -hmm. for young mothers when you're just thinking when one half of the world is kind of going buy this book do this curriculum create this classroom and then you get somebody saying hey just go outside yes <laughs> like, which one would you have <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so that's right. It's absolutely liberating. Uh, it, and it's, it's so true. true. There's so much wisdom in it. And I think maybe one of the reasons so many people are drawn to nature study is just because in today's society and culture today, we just have such a disconnect with nature. Yeah. Um, and we're missing that. And we when you go outside, you really do instantly, you know, biologically, physically, you feel a difference. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure if we feel a difference, the children feel a difference as well. So, yeah, I mean, nature study has been probably one of the very few things that we always stick to, even when there are newborns, even when, you know, we're moving house or whatever it is. It's one of our mainstays. And I think it has a healing property to it that I can't explain um, 
but yeah I have a deep love for nature study and uh, yeah I love it yeah absolutely I, I um I think this it does have a healing properties but also the just instilling those habits of attention and observation especially mm -hmm. observation that you don't even have to be you know kind of identifying everything or closely getting on the floor or you know taking your sketchbook out and your um you know whatever you, it's just a case of looking isn't it to start off with and I remember I was brought up like that my mum is a huge lover of nature and she would never know the names of things but she taught us how to look and uh how to and I always remember just I couldn't ever you know, see an unusual bird without wanting to know what it is or, or seeing a sunset or a sunrise. And I think that's one of the things watching my children get older, especially now having an adult and older teenagers, um, that's some of the stuff they continue to comment on is that uh, my daughter said the other day, she said, I can't ever look at a beautiful moon without texting you and saying, look at the oh. moon, you know? And it's amazing what lingers. And I think out of, even if they can't remember every name of every wildflower and every bird that they that, that you teach them, yeah. or that they learn, there is something of a culture and a, and, a, and a love of being outside and an appreciation of the beauty that we live in that still mm. lingers. And I can definitely, my kids are a testament to that. So um, I think it, whoever's listening and wondering what that looks like, if they're thinking nature study looks like, you know, intense study and journaling, it doesn't have to start that way. Um, no, no, absolutely. Natural. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's really important to, to say, you know, that where, even though I said that I'm very outdoorsy and that I, I enjoy nature study a lot. When I first started, I didn't know anything at all about, like you say, like the names of things. Right, yeah. I, I think I knew a blackbird and a robin, and but that was about it, you know, but it comes, it's like you say, you start observing, you start noticing, mm -hmm. and then you have that motivation to go and look it up on Google or look it up in your handbook. Um, and it comes slowly. You, the, the, the point of nature study, like you said, isn't just necessarily to know all the names of things or to be able to identify all the flowers, but it's about that observing and taking the time to notice and developing that habit in yourself and in your children. That's right. And I, I love the the kind of cyclical nature of our observations as well. So see, I mean, we, you know, in England, we have, we pretty much have four seasons, even though they're all different lengths at different times, but <laughs> we do. And even now, just uh, as, as spring is kind of, you know appearing we were walking with some with a, 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 an education group yesterday and mm. seeing frog spawn and colt's foot and hawthorn blossom i remember thinking oh yeah march that's what happens in march because we have seen this season even you know give or take a few weeks or days at times but when you start to be consistent with your children mm. and then you start to know maybe one year you you know you learn one or two flowers they'll be there again the following year and you get to see them and spot them and name them it's just so wonderful I guess we could talk about that all day couldn't we <laughs> <laughs> so apart from nature study how how else have you implemented or how does the Charlotte Mason philosophy look in your home today yeah so I mentioned that we we use something called morning time um and that's not a Charlotte Mason term at all but it's just how we implement it so we we all sit together first thing typically um and we will start with um saying a prayer together and then we'll do memory work so it's whatever the children are memorizing at the time so that might be poetry that might be a prayer um it might be a song 
Uh, we do try to read poetry together during that time as well. And we always have literature. So we're reading Call of the Wild at the moment, which the boys love because it's very gory. Um, and then we'll try and put a loop subject in there. So um, what I mean by a loop subject is that it will be a, um, a subject that we do as a group, but that we rotate. So those are subjects like geography, history, a nature study or science. And those are the ones we typically will, will rotate through during morning time. Um, and so what we'll do then is we'll read the books that are relevant to those subjects. And then the kids will narrate back to me what they've taken from that reading. Um, and my eldest is 10. So we, he does occasionally do written narrations now. We're trying to get him into the habit of, of doing that at least once a week. Um, and yeah, I mean, with the baby underfoot, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, but now just looking at that list now, I can see that we're missing Shakespeare. And I think we, we stopped doing Shakespeare after the baby was born. And I think I need to bring that back because I love that. And um, well, yeah, you, this, 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 we'll let you off, don't worry, you've had a baby. <laughs> Yeah, we used to do one play, about one play a term, roughly. We'd, we'd use the, um, I think it's called Tales from Shakespeare by, yes. yeah, by Nesbitt. Um, and then we'd watch, watch a production by the BBC. Um, but yeah, maybe I need to put that back in. Um, and then in addition to all of that, the kids will have their individual things that they'll do. The boys now being eight and 10, they can mostly do that by themselves. So again, yeah. that's their memory work, maths and reading, and they'll go off and do that. And I can sit with my six-year-old daughter and, and work on her things. Um, yeah, that's how, our, how it looks like in our home. It's beautiful. And you know what, I think what I've noticed about you, I don't know, that you are, you're not only forging your own path and way within the philosophy in your home but you are a huge encouragement to other mothers other home educators online now when did all that start was there a point when you thought I'm just going to share start to share a little bit of this or did you were you already um you know have you got a background in kind of parenting or work with children or anything like that no I mean what the, I think it started from I think it started when my second son was born and he was, you know, he literally was nursing me one day and we, I decided to just put up some Instagram pictures. I didn't even know how to use Instagram at the time, but I thought I'm just going to share some, some paintings that my eldest son had done on Instagram. And so it just started there that every time I do an activity with my eldest son, I just would post something on Instagram. Um, and it became a creative outlet for me to just, to just share with the world and feel like I was giving back, that my world was more than just this little bubble in my house and that somehow I was contributing to the wider world in my own small way. And slowly, slowly it just built. Um, I would get a lot of questions on Instagram about homeschooling because like you say, it's very new here in the UK. And so I'd get a lot of questions and I thought, you know what, I can't answer this on, on Instagram. I should start a blog. So I started my blog and I would you know, write much longer pieces about homeschooling home education and the things I'd been learning or reading about um, and then of course that led to YouTube because some things are better you know if you make a video about it if you want to show inside of books and things like that and then that led to a podcast and then that led to an online course and it's just kept growing and growing um, and it's been wonderful really uh, it's been really lovely to to meet so many women who who have the same passions as me who 
want the same things for their children um, and to be able to help and support them in any kind of way is such a blessing and a real real privilege where does your confidence come from Gemma what confidence Leah? <laughs> you're just super confident it's amazing you... have you always been like that I I don't even think I am confident Leah but really? I, I love that you see that in me that's lovely <laughs> I do. and I think I mean I, you know I could probably say the same. I mean, I've done so many things online since I've been home educating as well, but it actually has built up and taken time um, mm. to have a voice. But it does, you, I guess you take that first move, don't you? And then you, if you are gathering people, then you are leading. So you are naturally, I mean, you seem like you've got those leadership skills. Um, but it's quite, it, do you ever feel like that kind of a weight of responsibility about what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. Um, and every time I do something, I don't want to do it. I'm sure you feel like that as well. You know, before I got on this podcast and before I pressed the link, I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do this. What if I say something wrong? And I actually just wrote a little note to myself and I've got it here next to the next to my computer screen that says, this could help someone and oh, every time I'm talking to you I just keep looking over at that little note to remind myself yeah you know that this is not about me right. um, it's it is about you know somebody else listening to this message that maybe it could in some way help them support them bless them in some way so that's really probably where I get any sort of semblance of confidence where that comes from it's just that uh, that heart to serve other people that's so beautiful and I would I guess it's helpful to have this kind of conversation in a, on a public forum because people probably look and think, you know, wow, they're super confident. They just know what they're doing all the time. Say, <laughs> but it, 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 it does feel like a weight of responsibility when you gather, you know, followers aren't just numbers. Mm -hmm. They are, for me, is precious women who want to share in your life with you and your journey. And I don't take that lightly, just I'm sure like you don't. But... I have to say, honestly, what you do, all that you do in your pod, I've been listening to your podcast, your um, your course and your Instagram stuff is just so full of grace and beauty and encouragement. So please, yes, uh, you're right. This could be helpful to somebody, but you're already doing that, Demo. You're just doing a, a great job. So one of the things that you are always inspiring around is... Um, you are just super organized or you just have figured out ways because we have to don't we yeah <laughs> of I guess creating the a peaceful home by ordering you know ordering and planning well um do you have any tips around that that we could share that you could share with our listeners yeah um I mean with planning I think one of the biggest mistakes that most people including myself uh, make is that we plan too much we try, you know, in our enthusiasm because of yeah. all the beautiful books, all the beautiful curriculum, all the things that we want our children to know, we try to do too much or we at least plan for too much. And I think we need to try and plan for less, you know, right, by all means, write down all the things that you want to get done that year, that term, whatever it might be, and then cut it in half. 
be ruthless as you can and cut it in half and start there. And then if you find you do have more time, you do have pockets of space, you know, in your week where you could do something else, then add in more by all means. Um, but the problem is if you start the other way around, if you start with more than you're actually able to do, it's going to knock your confidence. It's going to really impact your, the flow in your home, the way your children enjoy things. You're just going to be rushing from one subject to the next without really taking the time to, to, enjoy the moment for your children to absorb the material so always plan for less uh, than you actually think you can do um, and I in line with that I would really encourage homeschoolers to try and work in some time in the week that is empty you mm. know I, I said if there is an empty space you can fill it if you want but at the same time do leave some space completely empty to catch up you know if you didn't get to that history reading that week if you didn't get to nature study in the week then at least you know that on Friday or whenever it is you can do it then because you've got that space empty and it just having that empty space just takes so much pressure off you as a mom because we're constantly beating ourselves up that we're not getting enough done are the children falling behind you know we have these thoughts that go on through our head but if you know you've got that little space at the end of the week where you can catch up and do the things that you didn't get to it's just a real relief I think just to know that that's there um I mentioned loop subjects for for morning basket and I think that can be a nice way as well of making sure that everything's covered. So if you have your loop subjects in your morning basket or however you homeschool, what that means is that you cycle through those subjects. So day one, you might do geography, day two, you do science and day three, you do art. Then the next day you go back to geography and then I forgot what I said, but <laughs> what did I say, Leah? Yeah. I can't remember, but yeah, it's, it's a great way of just uh, not feeling the weight of having to do everything in a timetable, isn't it? I love loop scheduling. Yeah, I think loop schedules are the way forward um, because timetables work for school. They work very well for school where you have bells, where you have very rigid um, scheduling in place, but in the home where things are more fluid, where, you know, life happens, um, where nappies need to be changed and, you know, things happen, then I think loop subjects work a lot better than timetables. Yeah. And I think the thing that's helped me with the kids is, um, to teach them together as much as possible, yeah. especially when you're you, when you first start homeschooling. For some reason, we think that every single subject needs to be taught to the child individually, um, and that when you have multiple kids is pretty much impossible. But if you can bring the children together for some of the subjects as much as you can, um, it'll save you a lot of time. And I think it really benefits the kids as well to have that community of learning um, to bounce ideas off each other. Um, and they learn from each other in that interaction as well. So, you know, try and teach your kids together where you can. Um, and something that I've learned maybe this year, or maybe last year is to include something in your planning for you and um, something that you love to teach, something that you love to learn about, mm -hmm. because in those on those mornings when you don't want to get out of bed where it's gray outside and you know you didn't do the dishes last night and you just you don't want to get started if you know that in that you know you've got planned for that day poetry or whatever it is that you love it'll help you to get going it'll boost your enthusiasm for homeschooling um, and I think why not why not put something in your homeschooling day that you love too um, you know you are important as well your education is important as well and the kids will benefit um, along with it as well so that's that's something that I've started to do as well
I love that. I think that's really, because that really lines up with, um, I mean, Charlotte Mason's advice to mothers is, you know, if you could only do for yourself what you do for your children. Yeah. And, but, and then she says, when these are done, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, go out to play and she lists all these things. And I think um, the only problem with that phrase is that things don't ever feel done, do they? They don't ever feel like it's done. Yeah. And I like that idea of weaving into, and I, I definitely do this, weaving into the day um, things that particularly bring you joy or particularly you know you want to be learning with your children alongside them yeah. uh, which is the beauty of home education I do I'm doing watercolors with my children at the moment and mm -hmm. I love it and I'm really enjoying upskilling myself but also teaching them a little bit every morning like literally 10 minutes of you know skills of with the brush and trying different colors and just I get really excited about it like oh we get to do this um amongst everything else so I, I love that too that's that's really really good what what would it be for you what kind of things do you put into your day that you love well, for me, it is the nature study. Yeah. And I think I drive my kids bonkers with it, to be honest, because I'm always t spotting things out the window or finding something online for them to look at or a documentary or nature law books. Today we read The River Song by Alison Morgan. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Oh, I it's remember. beautiful. Timothy yeah. the Wagtail. We still call all, all wagtails that we see, we call them Timothy. Oh. <laughs> Someone I love it. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. So that's for me. It's definitely nature study for me. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. And, and what about the, do, are you particularly organizing the home as well? Do you kind of have that approach about, um, I mean, we all have to do homeschooling and housework. How do yeah. you feel that? Um, I honestly, I think the way that I do it is I hate housework and I really dislike cooking. And so I have just put systems in place that really minimize the amount of time it takes to do these things. And that's had a lot of benefit now because I have more time to homeschool. Um, so um, it's just it's having simple routines in your home like um we always order our food online so it comes on the same day. So I know, okay, the food's going to arrive on a Friday. So Thursday means I have to clean out the fridge um, and setting specific days for tasks. Um, and because we have the afternoons free, I get things done in the afternoon. But I'm not somebody who enjoys keeping the house clean. Uh, unfortunately, I wish I did. Um, but I, I get... The, the absolute minimum done and I get it done in as quickly as possible and I just find ways around that yeah you sound like me <laughs> <laughs> and I think just finding um I was talking about this recently on a post about decision fatigue that just if you can eliminate some of that decision making by doing an extra bit of planning so that's why people do meal plans and yeah or, or people do loop schedule loop scheduling for cleaning you know it's just yeah. like oh yeah uh, and, and if you can get a bit of help get a bit of help I think it's mm. it's acknowledging not kind of dragging yourself like a slave around these things but actually um I mean my my mother is this just the happiest little homemaker you've ever met <laughs> and just she'd be cleaning the bath singing away and I'm thinking where is that I, why have I not getting that <laughs> No, I, I do have a lot of joy, but there's things that I would rather be doing, you know. Absolutely. So yeah, I'd rather be reading, but absolutely um, rather yeah. be reading. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like you, I have found just having 
rhythm setting place and practices like same same as you delivery for, for groceries same day every week you know and there's a there's a pattern to things I think it's just helpful isn't it and, and yeah. also for our mental health we need to I think if you are overloaded with decisions and you never know what's for dinner or you never know what's in the fridge it's really yeah simple. it's so true I was talking to somebody yesterday I think it was another homeschooling mum and she I, I advised her to switch her schedule around because she was trying to get all her homeschooling done in the morning like most homeschoolers recommend yes. um, and then trying to get the housework done in the afternoon but the way her brain works is she was constantly thinking about the cooking and the cleaning while yes. homeschooling her kids and it was stressing her out so she switched it now so now she has the morning off she gets the cooking done for the day she gets the housework done she gets she calls her mom and does all the things she would normally do in the afternoon she gets that done first thing so that when it's time to homeschool her kids in the afternoon she has she, she hasn't got that decision fatigue you know she can just yeah. be fully present with her kids and that's what works for her better so you know I do think that you're absolutely right that decision fatigue really can have a big impact on the emotions of, of parents of mums it's something to definitely bear in mind sorry I was just gonna say the the having what we're decorating at the moment and every day my husband's sort of saying okay what color should we do this what kind of light bulb should we use for that and this morning I went I don't want to make any more decisions oh you're just like me (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry honestly you could have opened a book and I would have kind of waved my finger down and you know stuck it in and said that one because I was just done I was like I do not want to make any more decisions yeah (laughs) we've had the same discussions in our house Leah because we moved to this house and we had to redo everything and decide on the colors of the walls and the light fixtures and all the things that you never even think about and I know exactly that feeling I got to that point where I was just like you know what you choose I don't mind I trust your decision you choose everything and I'm absolutely happy with that (laughs) yeah absolutely so tell tell us what you're a doctor of because I haven't asked it yet but I think people might be seeing doctor Dr Gemma Elizabeth and wondering what is the PhD okay (laughs) I I am a veterinary surgeon so I'm a vet. So um, I trained at the University of Liverpool. I don't know how long ago. It was over 10 years ago. Um, and I worked in small animal practice for a little while before I had my first son. And then after I had him, I did not go back. Um, and I don't miss it for a second. Um, even after this whole homeschooling thing is over, I I very much doubt I will go back to it. I think that my heart now is very much in education, in parenting, in supporting mothers. Um, And so that's probably where things will go in the future. Do you have any pets then? (laughs) Yes, uh, we have cats. But if it was up to me, we'd have a whole menagerie. We'd have chickens and all the things. But it's not just up to me. I think I think my daughter is trying to persuade my husband to get a rabbit so we might have a rabbit this year um but yeah just cats at the minute okay I was I I always wonder about uh people who yeah in the animal medical trade if they um (laughs) sorry it's not really trade but (laughs) they have lots of animals and if they're constantly worried about them (laughs) what's wrong oh that's great (laughs) so you we've already talked a little bit about confidence and um you know continuing the the longevity the kind of journey of homeschooling does require 
to, to stay motivated and quite focused at times. And even if you're the most relaxed person and you are pretty organic and approaching it in a kind of chilled way, there is this sense of responsibility mm. for what we're doing every day. And I think more than ever, I don't know how, what kind of um, uh, conversations you've had during the pandemic with people who have had to uh, online school and pandemic school or whatever they want to call it, but saying things like, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Um, like, I don't do it like that. That's not what we do. Mm. <laughs> Having to kind of tell the difference. But there is a, there is a sense of responsibility. It's very real. Um, I wonder if you have any tips for people around keeping that motivation going, you know, staying strong in your kind of convictions of why you're doing what you're doing and keeping going. Cause we don't always feel like it, do we? Especially in your, like your stage, you've got a, a one-year-old mm. and you may not, you know, you may not have slept great and you may not have quite got the plan together and you wake up on a Monday morning thinking, I don't want to do this. Mm. What would you say to those mums? I mean, from, you know, my, my years of homeschooling and from reading all the books and doing all the things, I think really the ultimate success of homeschooling really comes down to the mum's ability to manage her emotions. You know, it's not to do with how well planned your day is. It's not to do with which books you buy, which curriculums you get, or even how many of the Charlotte Mason volumes you've got through. It's yeah. really about how well you can manage your emotions. Because if, you know, for example, if you're, you know, if you're reading to your child, if you're reading some geography, a geography book to your daughter and she starts sulking or whining or something like that, instantly it creates a response in the mom. Mom might start thinking, am I doing something wrong? Or maybe she switches to anger and she thinks, oh, doesn't she realize, you know, how much I've sacrificed for her? Or, you know, there's something, some kind of reaction that the mom will have to that. Um, when all really it was, was her daughter was just whinging. And if you can manage those emotions, you can move through this. You know, you, you don't fall into that pattern again and again. And likewise, you know, a lot of people will come across, um, you know, naysayers, people who tell them, you know, you shouldn't be homeschooling your kids, you're ruining their life, etc., etc. Um, and they react in a very negative way to that. And they take that on board as something very, very personal. And from what I've seen about, you know, the the longevity of homeschooling, as you said, you know, people who can manage those emotions um, will be the ones who sustain their homeschooling efforts. And for me, what I've witnessed from working with, you know, the homeschoolers that I do work with online is the number one reason why mums give up on their dream of homeschooling their kids who give up on home education is because they couldn't handle the emotional side of it. It wasn't that they didn't find the right books. It wasn't that they couldn't plan out their timetable or get the cleaning done. It was actually, when you look at it, it was, they couldn't they couldn't manage their emotions and deal with that. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, it's natural that something, something bad, something challenges you and you feel a negative emotion. But if you can be aware of that, be aware that you're, that you're blaming your children for something, that it's not really their fault. You know, our kids are not responsible for our own emotions. Mm. Our kids are not responsible for our happiness as mothers. You know, we are, they've got their own emotions to deal with. They don't need ours piled on top. Um, and so I think for, for me, you know, my passion 
is really to help mums to educate themselves and to become more aware and more aware of their emotions and how to handle them. And I think if you can get on top of that, then you can homeschool for the foreseeable future. Sorry, I've gone on a rant there, Leah. No, (laughs) I am like, that is so right and so good because really what, what, what you're saying, what we're saying is when parents, mothers, particularly, I guess, this audience um, feel, you know, they're kind of looking for school places and they're done kind of those days. I am. It's not to do with the educational side of it, although they may think it is. They may think I can't do this. It's actually to do with how we are responding to the situation, how we are, how we are responding to the emotion in the room, the emotion. Now, obviously, we're not saying there aren't genuine situations when children need additional help and support and it is too much but I guess what you're talking about is those situations when because I I do I also talk to these mums and I often have so many coaching calls where there's tears Mm. because it's not really they didn't really need the coaching because they wanted to you know how do I narrate it was more about themselves how do I how do I do this as a woman, as a mother who is feeling all this stuff and going through all these um, situations around around homeschooling just to do with family, yet still get up every morning, get my feet on the ground and say, let's do this. And that, you know, there's an emotional maturity to what you're saying, isn't there? Which I think is a really, (laughs) a really good conversation and a really great thing to say. So, so if you were, so, you know, I don't know, three quick tips. If somebody's having a rough day because one of the children is whining and you described that kind of uh, downward slope of you letting yourself feel it and that causing anger, what, what would be the other options? What else could a mother do when that starts to happen? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, first of all, if you feel like maybe you're getting angry or you're getting upset in a situation, physically remove yourself from that situation because it's always easier to to get a clearer head so if you can go into the other room and then try and identify what thought it is that's come up in your brain Mm. so for example if that if your daughter is whining about doing her geography what thought is it that comes up for you is it oh she doesn't appreciate me or is it um Uh, is it oh you know am I doing something wrong am I not good enough identify what the thought is because when you can identify the thought you can realize how how ridiculous that is because it's that thought that's creating those feelings of anger or frustration or hurt or whatever it might be Um, and so after you've identified that thought then you need to change the thought change it into something that makes you happy to be around your daughter makes you grateful for the chance to sit with her and teach her something about geography or whatever it might be Um, when you know when you get that kind of emotional maturity like you say when you get that clarity it gives you gives you that mental space then to find solutions and so then you realize you know all I need to do for my daughter all she needs from me is a cup of tea and a smile and she'll stop whining or all she needs from me is you know for me to sit with her and sit next to her and talk this through so rather than escalating and getting to a point where you're tearing your hair out you're crying you're you want to give up homeschooling perhaps 
all all you needed to do was make a cup of tea and give her a cuddle and that's really what if you can manage your thoughts and manage your emotions that's what it can give you because these are the times when people start questioning their philosophy or their curriculum or the book that they're using yeah actually it's just hey they need a snack this has gone on too long (laughs) (laughs) now I mean I think we can say I think you possibly would agree with me that a lot of this comes over you learn this over time as you are um mothering children I don't think everybody some people are just natural at this stuff when they've got babies and toddlers I don't know about you Gemma but I know that just even just from what you're saying reflecting on the 18 years of of mothering I've done there's times when I know I have fallen for those whines and got upset and just not not so much I've never gone into massive doubt I'm pretty I've always been convinced that this is we're doing the right thing homeschooling and and within the philosophy we're doing but just needing to learn reading my children what's going on around them what's troubling them there's always a route to what's going on in them and what's going on in me Um, so I'm sure what you've just said will ring true to so many mothers and you know and I think it's it's also helpful to say if this is happening a lot in you you know process it with somebody else give give a friend a call Mm. talk it through with somebody um if you are you know if you're struggling with that regularly uh, and it's not getting any better I think it's it's helpful to talk to somebody else isn't it yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, it is helpful to get another pair of ears onto your brain and what's going on with you at home. And sometimes, you know, that outside help can see things that you just didn't see. Um, who are, People yeah. who are not emotionally invested in that situation can see and help you to process things for sure. Absolutely. I've got a couple of people that I know I can just pick up the phone to and I'll just go, you know, because sometimes you'll be dealing with a situation one day and I don't know I've never done this but some people might blurt it on Facebook or something like that and the next day you know everybody's still replying to your message and you're fine everything's been dealt with (laughs) the child is absolutely fine and you're like oh no here we go and I'm not like that at all I don't really wear my heart on my sleeve particularly very much but it you it's, it's important to always obviously protect your children in relationship but it's good to find somebody who you can um maybe just talk things through with um I think that's really helpful yeah and it doesn't have to be a homeschooling person at all but just somebody that you trust who you know is not going to judge pass judgment on you I think that's the key absolutely I read something today about um you know homeschoolers having the freedom to have a rough day and and Mm. kind of and, and admit, you know, my kids have been hard work today without people saying, well, you chose to homeschool or, you know, <laughs> it's like, no, I'm allowed to have a day like this and I can face it again tomorrow or this afternoon and it'll be fine. Um, and, you know, it's almost like this, well, you chosen to homeschool, therefore you've got to get it all right. That's not, that's a lie. And that's, that's, we're still human, aren't we? We're still um, parenting. Um so do you have anybody, I mean, I guess this could be dead or alive, but do you have anybody in particular inspires you, um, you know, a couple of people maybe, who would you say is or has been an inspiration to you? Um, so, I mean, at the risk of sounding unbearably cheesy, um, <laughs> I'm going to say anyway, um, for me, like my biggest inspiration comes from the, the mums who I speak to online or who get in touch with me. Because I, you know, I speak to women who have really been through it. You know, they've 
they had a divorce or they've lost a child or, you know, something really awful has happened in their life, something really big, and they still are pursuing this dream of home education. You know, they maybe they've got children with disabilities or whatever it might be, and they get in touch and they ask me for advice. And I think, oh my goodness, I should be asking you, you know, and these are the sort of women that I really, I just, I take so much um, strength and advice from them. Um, and yeah, they really inspire me. As to like home, famous homeschoolers, I think my absolute favorite is Cindy Rollins. I know you've had her on the podcast. Yeah, I just love her. I just, I don't know why I love her, but I think she's just so humble and down to earth. And yet she's so intelligent. Um, I just love the way she approaches things. And, you know, I love her writing as well. Nine children. I mean, that that in itself is like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She is amazing. She is. uh, Yeah. She, she was in the Lake District in 2019, the same time as we had our Charlotte Mason retreat. And I think you were, he- were you heavily pregnant? I was at last yes, year. I yeah. can't remember there was a timing, wasn't there? So we're gonna try and get you over there. And um, she, we happened, our paths crossed for one evening and I said, come and join, come and meet the ladies, but they didn't know anything about it. Okay. And I gathered everybody in a cafe in Ambleside. And I'm like, right, I've got a surprise for you all. Now, some people didn't know who she was. Obviously. Oh, no. <laughs> But I, she, I kind of brought her in and was like, Cindy Rollins. And their faces, it was like a hero had walked in the room and it just felt so. And then she just like talked for 10 minutes and I asked her a few questions. And it, she was so generous and mm. so humble. And yeah, and yeah, she has been on the podcast. So we've, we've been at a couple of conferences together and I just, just love chatting to her. Do you listen to the Literary Life podcast ever I do listen yes. to that I yeah do. I do and I do I try to follow along with their the books the that books. they've chosen as much as possible yeah um, I haven't done the the last one what was it Mar- um oh gosh what was the title of the book everybody's uh, people who are listening are, are shouting at the podcast that it Mar- the last one I did was 84 Charing Cross Road I don't know what's oh, come okay. after that They've yeah. done a couple, I think, since then. But yeah, okay. and I, they've done a few which I enjoy. The the reading life of certain people, and they bring guests on to talk about, which is it's so cool. So, <laughs> so what are you reading at the moment, then, Gemma? Well, I am working my way through um, the Wild Places by Robert McFarlane. I don't know if oh, you've yes. read that one. Yeah, I haven't read it, but it's on on a list somewhere. Long, long lists. Oh, it's a, <laughs> so lovely. So basically, Robert McFarlane he travels around the UK looking for for places in the UK that are still untouched that people haven't you know been able to change and habitat habitate haven't been able to live in um and it's so so fascinating you know I've learned so much about the history of the UK the geography things I had no idea were here and the only trouble is now that I want to go and visit all these places and travel (laughs) Um, but it's really beautifully written so if you like um, you know that kind of a book then I, it's it's a really lovely lovely read um, yeah. and yeah, I just finished 84 Charing Cross Road because okay. um, uh, of the literary life podcast Aww. yeah that's such an have you read that Leah uh, a long time ago yes yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so that's um, that is basically a series of letters between um, between a playwright in New York and yeah 
somebody who works in a bookshop in London um, and it's set in the 1920s, 1930s and it's just charming. It's very easy yeah. read. It was one of those books that I keep next to my kettle. So while the kettle's boiling, boiling, I would just read a few of the letters um, while that. my tea was being made. Yeah. I've just read um, Letters to a Young Poet by Rilke and it, him, it was him writing to another young poet and I was the same with that because it was let I love reading letters yeah I just would keep it on the side and then when I was you know if I had five minutes I would just read one so yeah that's a great idea I think that's something I need to look into more about looking for books with letters I think that's definitely mm -hmm. the way forward if you're a busy mum as well you need something you can just dip into for a couple definitely. of minutes yeah I've got another one actually I'm just looking now if my voice goes quieter it's Dorothy Wordsworth and I think it's between Dorothy and William, actually. I'm just looking on my shelf. Oh, wow. Letters between them two, which is really lovely. Quite an old publication, but um, yes. I've just I, written I, that I, down. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to say, <laughs> I've had a few people message today saying, really loving the podcast, but I'm spending more money on books than ever. Every time I listen, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> uh, and I've just finished, just to mention Cindy Rollins again, I, every single year I read Mere Motherhood. I just, oh, I love that book. It's so encouraging. It's so well-written as well. Um, and like likewise, I end up buying more books every time I read it because there's always book recommendations in there. Yeah. But it's a really lovely book um, about her homeschooling journey um, and her journey through motherhood really uh, up to a certain point so it was it's a lovely read I've definitely of all the sort of homeschooling books particularly in that sort of memoir genre I think that is the best and I do read it every year it is a great one and I don't I don't know if it's as well known as it should be we need mm. to tell more people about it don't we get it yes. out there more because it is yeah. wonderful mm. um I I found as well with just yeah I think her her she's just so gentle but also her experience and and because it's not a very big book is it it's not it doesn't no. take really long to read but um it is a good one we should definitely get that one tell pe more people about <laughs> it it'll be on the, it'll be on their lists um so so tell us a bit more about your what you do online Gemma and how people can connect with you I'd love them to come and find you today Oh, thank you. Um, so on social media, I probably hang out most on Instagram. So you can find me at Our Muslim Homeschool, our O-U-R, Our Muslim Homeschool. Um, and then I also have a podcast, which is called Raising Mums. Um, and that in that, that podcast, I do deal a lot with these sort of emotional issues, emotional coaching. And I do quite a few episodes on the Charlotte Mason method as well. And I sort of bring the two together and marry those together. Um, and then I've got my website, which is called OurMuslimHomeschool.com. Um, and you can find all kinds of blog posts on there, book lists and information about my homeschooling course. Um, so, yeah, that, that's me. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. If you loved it, why don't you go over to the podcast app, click on those five stars and maybe leave a couple of sentences to say what you've enjoyed listening to so far. Um, it's not just for me. I do love listening to them and reading them, but it's to help other people find the podcast. So if you can help me out that way, that would be amazing. Guys, did you hear that I'm writing you a book? Yes, Modern Miss Mason, the book, will be coming to you in 2022. I signed with Tyndale Publishing back in December 
and I'm so privileged to be doing this. Um, I know it's a long time to wait, but we can do the journey together. If it's too long for you to wait, why don't you come over to Instagram or Facebook and hang out with me there? Or you can join me on the Charlotte Mason Unbox course where I will walk you through implementing the Charlotte Mason philosophy in your home with complete freedom. Or if you'd prefer a cup of tea and a one-on-one conversation, I do have a coaching service. So you can book a coaching call with me and um, I'd love to do that. I'd love to see more of you and hear from you. The details of these connections and services are in the notes in the podcast, or you can click on the link in my Instagram account or head over to modernmissmason.com. I'll see you next week.